here at the Canvas Data Science Meetup Group, we are show, don't tell. Part of what we do here is we just kind of do things quick and dirty, right? So as you can see, the code, we're just commenting out things left and right. We're getting error messages left and right. Uh, we're just sort of doing things ad hoc and impromptu. It's sort of just an example, right? So if you're doing this analysis on your own, you're going to want to be a lot more formal. You're going to want to take a lot better notes. You're going to want to investigate all these error messages and, and what have you. But we're just sort of doing a quick and dirty example of, of what can be done. Like I said, this isn't necessarily my best forecasting model ever. We're just going to use it and move forward. And like I said, you'd be surprised at you know how well this may predict because although it's like it doesn't look dynamic, it may capture the general trend of the direction of sales. And you know, you can't always predict the volatility. Sometimes just predicting the trend is the best you can do, right? And maybe the line you predict Right? It's almost like a regression line where half of the observations are going to be above, half are going to be below. So you're just trying to minimize root mean squared error. So you're sort of, in some cases, drawing a regression line where you think the forecast, forecast values will be. To go ahead and plot this together, the weekly sales, and let's maybe just do the last, right? And we actually were excluding this last value, right? And so this is basically what we're predicting is going to happen, right? So we see, oh, here are sales, and we're predicting, you know, sales were going up in October, and we're predicting they're going to go down in January. So, you know, that's our, you know, predicted line here. And so, you know, I would like have gotten, to have gotten a bit more volatility here, but we're going to, in the coming months, plot the actuals, right? And the idea is you'd expect some of the actuals to be above this line and some to be below this line. But in general, you know, that's the the direction we'd, we would expect, you know, and, you know, if I was getting paid and I have gotten paid to prepare forecasts of this sort, and this is, I would do a lot more, I think. Like I said, I would um, I would add in some of these effects perhaps try to add in holiday effects, add in month effects. Adding in month effects may actually do the trick if we have enough observations. Um, so once you add in some of these effects, you're gonna get close to the best forecast you can make. So like I said, I think this forecast is gonna be a bit better than if you had made this forecast with daily data. And I think it's going to perform better than the forecast we made last week with monthly data. How can we tell? We're going to measure it. Tune in next month in November, and we're going to measure the root mean squared error, and we're going to see which model actually predicted better, the monthly model or the monthly VAR model or this weekly ARIMA model. I promised we'd walk away with a beautiful visualization. And so let's do just that. You can do a lot with the pandas plot. Pandas plot is based off of matplotlib. And, you know, these awesome packages build upon each other, right? Seaborn is actually based off of matplotlib. You know, great packages build on great packages, right? Stand on the shoulder of giants when you're doing programming. I like to start out with the basics. We're going to use this functioning formatter 
for our axes labeling things in millions, right? Because one e to the seven is not that informative. And then seaborne, we're going to use minimally. Um, I'd like to use seaborne to snag their colors because they do really beautiful colors. And as promised, I'm going to show you how to make a beautiful graph. Two things you really want to hit right are your style and your font. Stand on the shoulder of giants. I've tried out a lot of the built-in plot styles, and I've found the, the 538 are visually aesthetic. What works for them could work well for us. Just go ahead and snag the 538 plot style, and you can just format your plots like that. Easy peasy. Next, Edward Tuft. Depending on the size of your chart, you may opt for a sans serif font. However, in almost all circumstances, Edward Tuft would recommend that you use a serif font. So that's the fonts that have the, the extra, it's called the serif at the end of each character. So it adds a bit more dynamism to your letters and it makes them easier to distinguish and it may help with reading and retention. So although it may be harder to read a word, you retain the information that much better because your brain had to think that much harder. Like going to the gym, right? Like you, you need a little bit of resistance there to, to build up muscle. So this little bit of resistance with the word helps build up the, the retention. So that's a little abstract, but I always recommend a serif font. What's an easy serif font to use? Times New Roman is, uh, is a classic and all, uh, it almost always looks good. Just grab Times New Roman, you know, some Garamond can work okay, but uh, can kind of get a little fancy. Next. You need good colors, right? Humans are visual creatures. You need good colors. If your chart is in an ugly red and an ugly blue, it's not going to be as persuasive as if it was in a decent color. What I would recommend are, you know, your seaborn palettes. You really can't go wrong, but I like to just stick with the what's called the Tableau 10. So you, do, you can do Tableau 20. So say you need 12 colors. You can, I think, do tab 12. So you can get however many colors you need. So long story short, now we're going to start creating the figure. I'm going to run through this and explain each bit. And there may be some tidbit more cleanup to do afterwards. But I'll, like I said, I'll, I'm going to share the code with you. And I may even share the code with you after I've cleaned it up a bit. You'll get the code nonetheless since you've attended. So thanks. Thank you again for attending. Long story short, we create our figure here. We plot some of the values. Here we're going to be plotting weekly sales. We're just going to, let's maybe just plot the last 25 weeks or so, but that's arbitrary. But the idea is if we plot too many, then you know our forecast isn't, it's hard to see. We're, okay, so we're gonna plot. Okay, so right off the bat, see not a not a bad looking chart here. And so all we've done is put things in Times New Roman. We've added the 538 and we've defined the color. So we have an, a, a nice decent blue color here. So already things are shaping up. Now we can add on the forecast data. We're going to change the style and add the color. Awesome. So here we are. Then we're given our 
forecast. Next, we can add the, well, I, we actually didn't calculate the error, the, the error bounds in this, in this one, but with the VAR, you could add in your, your confidence bounds. So this, these would be a shaded area around your line. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to skip that. If I can add this post, I will. So some of these extra frills, bells and whistles, I may have to add afterwards, but I'll show you what I can today. Next up, to style the chart. I found instead of using a solid black, using a slightly off black makes things look sharp, as well as you know slightly thinning out the lines. Next, I hide all these... The 538 does it automatically, but I also explicitly hide certain spines. So that's the frame. The Edward Tuft rule is remove as much ink as you can while still showing the data. So the idea is you want to get rid of all the bold, get rid of all the lines. Like you'll see so many, what Edward Tuft would call bad visualizations where they just have too much ink. They have like thick, thick lines and too many lines and boxes around things that don't need boxes around them. And you'll see it, you know, just look for it. So it's just like wherever you can remove ink and you still convey the same message, remove it, you know, and that's actually the, the, the trick the, the, to creating a beautiful visualization is remove everything you don't need. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but that's actually the trick. You, you'd be surprised. So basically remove everything, get things in proper font size. We'll add a title. We're going to format the y-axis in millions because we want people to understand what we're doing here. These notes aren't going to be correct, but you always, always, always want to describe your data, your data source, and anything that the the visualizer should take into consideration. And then I was going to annotate that where their where sales were suspended in 2020 because combining text and visualizations is what Edward Tuft would call beautiful. You want to get your text as close to the visualizations as possible, if not in your visualizations. So you want text plus visualizations. Without further ado, oh yes, and you definitely want to save your figure. This puts a slight margin around your figure. You may or may not want a margin around your figure. It depends on how you're going to be presenting it. Bot per inch. This is more for publication ready. So, you know, a bare minimum would be like 92 or 96 dots per inch. 300 is about publication standard. So if you were going to be preparing your figures for publication, they would probably request that your figures be in at least 300 dots per inch. And it's going to look nice and crispy and sharp. If they're going to be, you know, ridiculous about how sharp they want your figure to look, you may go up to 1,200 dots per inch. That's going to be, that may be overkill. That's going to be an incredibly large file. It's going to be really, really detailed. 
So I find that's kind of overkill. I found 300 is is a nice sweet spot where it's really professional, but uh, it doesn't leave you using up too many resources. Tighten up your edges so everything gets printed out nice and tightly. And then the transparent, true or false, if you you know don't want a background behind this. And like I said, the notes need to be tidied up to our specific well, let's actually just go ahead and do that right now. So for example, our, our data source here. Thanks for staying just a tidbit extra while we finish this. Without further ado, it could get a lot better, but we wanted at least a decent looking visualization. We wanted a beautiful one by the end of the day. And you'll see how the sausage is made. As you can see, I always have to kind of play a little bit with the notes position to get the notes just right. And then you would of course want to turn this into a function where you would essentially just pass perhaps the, the time series and your forecast. And then that way you can get a nice, beautiful visualization at the click of a button. What you could do is, you know, we've done all of the programming necessary so that you can automate this, right? And that's what Canlytics intends to do is at the click of a button, you can get the data from the API. You can fit the best, you know, ARIMA model that you want. So here we just did weekly sales, but you could easily repeat this for plants and employees. And in fact, what I may do is I may actually go ahead and forecast out plants and employees and send you the script with everything all cleaned up. So that way we're forecasting all three of these and we're getting a nice beautiful chart for each. And then you could just set this to, to run automatically, right? And so then, you know, each month or each week, right? So this is weekly data. So you could get this set up. So every Monday you could get a plot of your historic plus your forecast. And what would be cool is you could plot your forecast over time, right? So this is our forecast here. We could save this. And then next week we could plot our actuals over our forecast. And then we can just keep saving our forecast and then we can keep extending upon it. So that way you can get, you know, close to real time forecasts created for you automatically. And you can visualize them in you know, beautiful vi visualizations, right? So this is a, you know, a decent looking chart. You know, it's not a, an eyesore. There's still a, a bit more cleaning to be done here, but I just wanted to go ahead and run through the rough and dirty with you today. So we've now done an ARIMA analysis with Massachusetts cannabis data. I'll let you try plants and employees on your own, and then I'll send you the script with, with those two. Now, all we have to do is lay in wait. So now we just wait and next week, we can already plot our first actual on here and start seeing if our root mean squared error, you know, are we over, are we under, by how much. So real cool work. And, you know, bear with me in the coming days while I clean this up for you. And then you're welcome to then use it as you see fit. That concludes Saturday morning statistics. I hope you had a good time of it. We rendezvoused, we got our hands dirty, and I can say quite dirty, you know, creating visualizations. Well, yet again, real cannabis data, right? So we've got data, you know, all the way through, you know, October 25th, quite current, just easy, right? You can get the number of licensees in Massachusetts. 
a KPI would be what is the number of sales per licensee? So that way, if you were, or number of sales per retailer. So that way, if you're a retailer, you can measure if you're going to be above or below the forecasted sales. And you can kind of, maybe you, you could predict the change in sales. So that way you could expect that your retail sales may change proportionally to sales in the market as a whole. Canalytics will host everything, got some data from the API, cleaned it up, created a beautiful visualization, and hopefully you'll able to take this code and do forecasting and visualizations on your own. So hopefully you had a good time of it. We ran a little extra, but you know that's that's what you pay for, right? You get a you get a little bit of extra from coming to Saturday Saturday morning statistics. So I'll make sure you get the recording, the code, and you're welcome to ask any questions or see anything that you wished extended upon in coming weeks. Always happy to to talk about everything. Can I ask you a question? But by all means. So uh, can we try another uh, other models like uh, FB FB profit Facebook profits model? to increase the performance of uh, forecasting exactly so uh, you're saying the the seasonality in like the arima x type models yeah yeah like that yeah exactly and i'll go ahead and tell you two things one they may increase the forecasting accuracy they may not so you can run into a situation where if your forecasting model gets overly complex, your predictions, they start to become irrational um, or they just tend to just perform poorly in practice. So that's just what I've seen is it's surprising how well simple models predict. Just a simple ordinary least squares regression, so like just a simple ARIMA model can actually predict fairly well you often may not get the returns you hope from adding complexity. However, as you saw, I think there is some gains to be had. So for example, in today's, I do think you may be able to get better predictions if you add in month fixed effects, but I'm not sure you're going to be able to estimate a model, right? That's going to add in 11 right they could add, that's going to add in 11 degrees of freedom um so that could chew up right so you may add in month fixed effects but then you may only be able to estimate like an arima one one or something like that instead of an arima two three with no month fixed effects and then some of the month fixed effects may not make any sense right right so there could be worthwhile to just include in one of them just say okay well we're, we're going to include a fixed effect for april and just say okay april's because in the cannabis industry, April's uh, have high sales. So you could say, okay, we're going to kind of control for this one month, but not include all the other fixed effects. And just say, we're going to compare April versus non-April. And so this is where I think there's work to be done. And if, if you're interested in this, there's you know good research and opportunities for this, right? Because we've got the measure, right? The, the root mean squared error. So what we need to actually do is test it out. So it would be worthwhile to try out the seasonality arima or the arima with exogenous variables the arima x because they may appear to fit better in sample 
but do they actually make better forecasts? Because that's what it's all about at the end of the day, right? Because, I mean, we're trying to forecast data points that haven't accrued yet, that haven't occurred yet. So it's it's just a much different animal than, say, it's, than even excluding part of your training data. So long story short, I think it's always worthwhile trying to estimate the more complex models because because they may lead to a better fit, but they may not necessarily. So that's why I say always always start simple and add and add up because then you can you can compare because so next month you could compare how did the simple model perform, how did the more complex model perform, and then you can actually judge them. And like I said, people are doing really, really complex forecasting models out there. So one that's real popular is the, the Bayesian VAR. And so that adds a distribution on top of the estimates. So not only are you estimating the, the point value, but you're also estimating the, the probability of various values that it may be. So long story short, if, if you're ambitious and up to it, I would by all means estimate, estimate the more complex models but I would also estimate the, the, the less complex models and, and see how they compare against each other. Yeah, got it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, when will I be getting the script, the Python code, maybe next week? Oh, yes. So I'll clean it up as quick as I can. I guess I could go ahead and share it, share it with you as is. I was just going to kind of tidy it up a bit more and, and finish it for you. Yeah, sure. Got it. Yeah, thank awesome. you. Today's session was great. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you for yeah. signing up, Cheyenne. So, Awesome to have you. So thank you for coming to the first Saturday morning statistics. Hope you had yeah. fun. I had fun. And then yeah, yeah. we can we can make a thing of it. I'll get the material sent to you. Let me know if you have any questions or any avenues for further research next week. And then we can pick it back up. Sure. Let me make you meet you next week. Yeah. Well, until next week, stay productive. Yeah.